Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, episode 301B. I'm Ben Rothenberg on day nine of the French Open, joined again by Courtney Nguyen. Courtney, lovely to see you back again. You're on a real roll, real streak. Oh, Not yeah. Being a stranger around just, here. You know, nothing to do. Very, very chill times during a slam. So, you know, just figured I'd I'd stop twiddling my thumbs and, and watching yeah. anime and Girls 5 Eva and thought I'd just chat with my good friend Ben about the tennis as we Aww. head into the business week of Roland Garros. This is the business week. Uh, that sounds like that's a magazine or something. But what do you what do you want to talk about first? We should talk about the guys and and the gals are are both doing their things in separate draws. Murray's doing his thing. Andy uh, Murray segue. Oh, well, if if he was Andy Murray, he'd be a big fan of watching Iga Shvantec. That's he's probably just what Murray's saying right now. He's saying talk yeah. about Iga because I've been very impressed Iga. with Iga. Says Murray the dog, not unlike his 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 namesake, Andy the human. Yes, so let's do women and Iga then. As Murray dictates, because Murray's all about, you know, women's rights. All the Murrays. Iga Shvantec wins today. She still has not dropped a set. She's won 20 straight sets now. No, 22, 22 straight sets now at the, at, the, at the French Open. Update the numbers. Three and four today over Kostyuk. She is, you know, the clearest favorite of a non-Serena at a slam, I think, since I've been saying Enin at the French Open, you know, circa 15 years ago. I think it's feeling like that. I... I think that she's absolutely sort of set up to be sort of talked about as as the clear presumptive winner of this tournament. I mean, she's and it has only gotten clearer so far for her in terms of the draw. I mean, she's the only top fifteen seed uh, or sixteen if you want to use that number because the next one is seventeen. Sakari, who she plays next in the quarterfinals of the draw, and she's the only one who's ever made even a slam semifinal before. Now that said, she's only made the one. Like, she's not have wealths of experience. This is not like, you know, Justine Ennin coming into her prime, who had, you know, been around a while at this point. Shvantec's still new. And I still feel like when watching her, there's still a lot I don't know about her and how she's going to respond to situations all the time. It's been all good so far. But what do you what do you make of, of Shvantec, you know, if you want to talk about today's match against Kost- Marta Kostik a bit? And then more generally, like, how do you think she should be assessed as an increasingly prohibitive favorite? It's what people are talking about her. She's definitely earned that, you know, I mean, that's the thing is that as much as we want to pump the brakes and be like, this is a, you know, when the tournament began, she was 19 years old, a day later, she was 20, but she was still a teenager when this all began. And, you know, and I, it's, it's a broken record with me when I, when I talk about Shviantek that, you know, it's very easy to forget that all of this is new territory for her. This is her first full season on the WTA tour. I mean, last year was interrupted, you know, year before she had injuries as well. She wasn't playing a full season the whole time. So, you know, we don't always, as you say, have the data points to know, you know, how yeah. is Ishvientek going to respond in this situation and things like that. But, you know, with what we do have, as, as you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit offline during the match. What we do know is that she has been able to come through and that she manages these situations incredibly well to think that now going into the business end of the event that she's going to stumble. And by stumble, I mean not get beat. I mean, she might get beat. I mean, Sakari is obviously a phenomenal tennis player. We know that. Um, You know, on the other side, Coco Goff has been playing really well and their first set that they played in Rome was very, very tight. Sam Krejcikova. Yeah, Krejcikova and on the other side as well. So she might lose. But the question is, is she going to 
quote unquote choke? Is she going to have a moment where the she does not stand up to the moment? And yeah. I've really liked how she has handled all of the variables that she's been that have been placed before her. Like, for example, through the first week, like, for example, tonight, she played a night session match, 9 p.m., right? Empty stadium. And and one of the things I think Federer and a few other players have said is that the conditions at night are very, very different. They're a little bit heavier, a little bit slower. So the part of me was going into that match thinking, oh, is that going to be a big game changer? But then I thought, hold on, she won Roland Garros when it was freaking wintertime. Like, yeah. she didn't win Roland Garros on a hot summer day when the ball was flying no, and her top it spin was, was Narnia. kicking. Yeah. It was Narnia. It was Narnia. Um, and so that was when I was like, well, no, she should be able to handle this. That's no problem. You know, she's played it. She's had instances where she's come up against younger opponents. Um, and she's come through those, like the match against Coco Goff uh, in Rome. Um, you know, she's played as a favorite. You know, at this point, like you're saying, she's a prohibitive favorite for the title. I don't even know if it's prohibitive really, but... Um, and, you know, last year, once she beat Halep, she was pretty much the favorite by a lot until the final when she got to Kennan. She had to beat Trevisan and she had to beat um, uh, Podoroska yeah. uh, in, in between. Which were quote unquote trap matches. Which yeah. is trap matches, right? And and yeah. in Rome, we saw a little bit of that, of that too. So I feel that she has been able to deal with the curveballs. Adelaide winning the title there. Um, she was the number two seed, I believe. Um, and she came through and, and handled it, didn't drop a set. So slowly she's putting together these variables. And so to think that she will blink, and like I said, she might lose, but to think that she might blink, I don't know that we have the data points to make us think that she might blink. Like at this point, I feel like the way that she handled the first week, challenged by Contivate in that first set of her third round match. And then I thought tonight the Caustic match was really, really tight. Um, and she handled it really well. I, th and, I thought it was scrappy by her standards. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, wasn't it wasn't a clean the best stat Iga. sheet. Right. You know, it was not the best Iga and, and Caustic was there with her and, and the match was closer. I felt like I was watching the match on on Peacock and, and, on, and, and the people on there were talking about it a lot of times in the match. Like, it was more of a done deal than I felt like it was, especially the second set early. They were like, oh, Iga's in control. And I was like, is she, though? This match still feels very much, you know, at least not... She's not pulled away with this. And it was three and four, but it was, like, it was scrappy. And, and, and she had to kind of scratch a bit and, you know, this empty atmosphere and everything. But but she did it, and she cleared that hurdle. And she is going to be a favorite in every match she plays going forward. There's no one who she'd line up against who she'd be even, you know, I think, honestly, a slight underdog against. I think she'll be considered a, a sizable favorite against all the other seven women in this draw, whoever shows up in any given round. So we'll see how she handles that there. And, and you know, it is it is different. I did sort of, I sort of asked that impress a little bit. I was trying, I didn't want to be too, you know, are you going to choke about it? But, you know, like, but the fact is that she is, you know, that's kind of going to be the question. And then you have your answer for it, which is fair. There's not, in our limited dossier on Iga, which is still fairly thin, considering how highly we think of her it yeah there's no real evidence that she has had that moment that comes yet and you know she could and she could still get beat because the other players the other three women especially in this half of the draw and this top half is markedly stronger than the bottom half i think should be said this top half they're all playing really well i mean maria sakari getting huge ncr bump obviously the 300 obviously. level ncr bump coming on episode 300 uh really cleaned Sonia Cannon's clock pretty good today. It was up 6-1-5-1 in that match before winning 6-1-6-3. Uh, very, not a shocking result, obviously, knowing how they're both playing. And, and Cannon, I think it's a good result for her to make fourth round with all the the upheaval in her life. And it's a very positive result for Cannon. Hopefully she takes it that way. She just didn't seem too crushed and pressed, which I was glad to see. I feel like she's trying to manage her 
her kind of rubber banding emotions a little bit better. Yeah. And, and I think that that's going to be a challenge for Sonia going forward is that because you can see it on the court that she's not letting herself, allowing herself to get into the red, you yeah. know, that that when she's like tossing balls after holding serve and, she's and being tantrums, a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. little, little um, tantrums, which is when she's been able to channel her best tennis. But mm. I feel like having watched her this season, um, she's really tried not to be that since Abu Dhabi. She had a, a good tournament in Abu Dhabi, but since then. Um, and that's a big question mark is, is can, can Sonia find that tennis without kind of tapping into that side of things? And she's not the first tennis player to have to try and figure out whether or not they can do that. And, and she won't be the last. I mean, I think Sabalenka is trying to find that balance. We've had instances of that with like Novak, with Andy, you know, like yeah. all of this stuff about, oh, you know, uh, can you manage your emotions? Can you spend your energy minding your emotions during a match to get your best tennis? And sometimes actually you're 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 holding yourself back. Um, yeah. But you're absolutely right. I mean, a, a, a fourth round I will say, I mean, one of the upsets of the tournament was was Kenan defeating Ostapenko in the first round. I I really hmm. thought that that was going to go the other way, given the way that 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 uh, Elena Ostapenko has been playing. I don't know how upset of a tournament, but it was a good win. It was a it was I was I was really I was really surprised. I really that was chalk to me. I just the way Sonia had come in, I just had zero confidence whatsoever, and I I really was impressed by Ostapenko. Um, so yeah, you know, so yeah, the, all that is to say. Good result from 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 Kennan, but uh, Sack, good for her. Finally getting into the quarterfinals, getting over that duck, getting over that third yeah. round duck uh, and that barrier. And and you have to like her chances against Iga. I'm not saying like she's a favorite or not, but she can win that match. I mean, tennis for tennis. We know how good Sackery can be. She's the second highest ranked player left in the draw. I mean, you, like that's what it is. You know, my one of my favorite Roland Garros stats is that in all of the history of the tournament, only four instances has a player not ranked. Or I'm sorry, not seated top ten, won the event. Just four, in the history of the event. It's gotta be pretty recent. Yeah. Three of them were very recent. So one was back in like the 30s, Margaret Scrivener, I think. And then oh, the, wow, the really, and then yeah, the recent cuts, yeah. Yeah, and then the, the recent ones were obviously Schiavone, Ostapenko, and then Sviantec, uh yeah. last year. But it's not as much as we like to think that it's like really common for there to be Roland Garros is where all the upsets happen and blah, blah, blah. And there's crazy champions. Yeah, maybe recently so, but historically not so much. So Sviantec is the last remaining top. 10 seed in the draw so it'll be interesting to see if she can you know hold that uh hold that stat for another year top, six, top 16 even which is a cutoff we use in, in tennis because sure. it means you're seated to get to the fourth round yep. like 70s women weren't supposed to even make the fourth round when the draw came out so uh the other quarter in this top half of the draw that had winners today both winning very convincingly uh barbara krejcikova I woke up early for this match. I set an alarm. I actually did the whole five o'clock thing today for Krejci. I saw season. you tweeting like, about it, and I was like, Benji's up. Benji's I on I was it. Up. I, was, I was on it. I was ready to go. And I'm also ready to go to sleep now, so I want to get the show <laughs> over with because I was up so early. But yeah, Krejci-Kova-Stevens was an absolute route. Like it, like Sloan two games. didn't real didn't real two in love for Krejci-Kova. Krejci-Kova looked very solid, and I couldn't tell – this match, honestly, how it's obviously how people love working on Sloan when she's losing, and obviously she takes lots of bad L's in her career, and she's, and anyone anyone would would admit that, probably including herself. I couldn't tell how much this match was her being flat, and how much Krejcikova just giving her like no openings. Like Krejcikova just did not 
really blink. And Stevens was trying to mix things up at times and trying to change things up, but like it was just going really fast. And I, I tweeted that it's, you know, it's just one of the things about best of three that makes it, I think, tougher in a lot of ways. Like you just don't have that much time to turn around a match when it's going against you and the other player starts hot. I mean, like this match was very, I think barely less than more, I think 66 minutes at all. Like Sloan just did not have a lot of rope to, to, to hang on to in this match once, once uh, Barbara started really scaling the mountains up there. So uh, yeah, it was, it was impressive. And it was even more impressive. I think hearing from Krejcikov after um, about her sort of her mental state before, and I can actually insert some audio of Krejcikov talking about that right here. And I, I think the, the on-court mics caught you talking to Marion Bartoli a little mm-hmm. bit as you were walking off the court um, and you were telling her that, that you were incredibly nervous. It's, I, I think if, if I heard it right uh, today for the match. And I'm curious as you go into these late stages of new territory in singles for you, how are you managing that and how much of the experience of playing in high stakes matches in other, you know, whether it's mixed or doubles or things like that plays into this right now. I actually really don't know what happened today because, you know, I just woke up and I just felt really, I don't know, I just felt really bad. I don't know why. I just felt really stressed and I don't know why or what for. And, you know, actually like half an hour before the match, I didn't even want to step on the court because I just really felt really bad and I had to like lock myself in a physio room and I had to talk to my psychologist and... I actually, you know, I was actually crying. I don't know. I just felt really, really bad. And I don't know why. It just happened. And we talk about it a lot. And, you know, she told me, like, you know, this is something, you know, if you if you can overcome this, what you feel right now, it's going to be a huge win. And it doesn't matter if you're going to win on a court and you're going to lose on a court because, you know, it's going to be a personal win. So I just went there on a the court. And I know that it didn't look like that, but I was really, I just felt really, really bad. And, you know, I was just like happy that I started well, you know, and I think after the first point, you know, things got a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit easier than I broke her. And I just felt, yeah, like, I mean, I can play, I can actually play her. (laughs) So I think I was just more stressed that, you know, I'm just not going to be good enough. I think that's, that's what happened. So Courtney, what did you, I don't know if you were up for this match, but what did you, what did you make of this result? 2-0 for Krejcikov over Stevens, which that's a score. Especially because Sloan had been so good in this tournament, too. I mean, so Sloan good. had been so good, really handily beating Pliskova and Mukova, and at a really high-quality match against Suarez tomorrow. I did not see 2-0 coming at all. No, and, and I think that what I chalked it up to as I was watching it was just that, that Krichikova just spun her web, that she yeah. was able to neutralize Sloan. She didn't give Sloan the rhythm, which Sloan likes, uh, you know, that baseline rhythm. and Big and rhythm hitting. player, yeah. Yeah, which, which Kachikova has all the tools to not allow you to do that. She is in many ways a disruptor. She has, I think I put her in that category of player, of very smart, and she is going to tactically disrupt you and keep you out of rhythm. She did that against Sviantec, one of the worst matches that I've ever seen Sviantec really play outside of a, a complete kind of just terrible love in one loss or something where she just uh, got mm-hmm. nervous was against Krachikova in, in Rome. And Barbora just never let her get comfortable. Um, and, you know, that she has this ability to handcuff you. So I thought that was that was very interesting. And I agree with you. I, I did not see that scoreline definitely coming. Results, sure. I mean, obviously, one of them is on form, you know, but not that scoreline. But I did think it f- was funny. Um the clip you heard was a, was a response to to my question about because 
Well, I don't know if you're going to play the question. I'll part play the of... question too. Okay. I'll play the question too. Um, but yeah, my question was kind of about the fact that she looked so calm and so cool. And so for her yeah. to then respond of just being like, I was an absolute wreck this morning was really interesting. And it reminded me of um, one of my favorite sports movies of all times, Cutting Edge. Uh, and about how how the hockey player, the guy, uh, he pukes like when he gets nervous before matches, yep. like, and he's just absolutely a wreck. And um, but when he does it, his partner kind of knows, like, okay, we're gonna be okay, like you know, because he's like, it, this is this means he's in it, like the nerves are good. It's very hockey in my hockey yeah. It was a very yes. hockey moment. So it was it was one of those where it was kind of like you know, um, like he says, like I I my um. My teammates used to bring me two helmets to every game, <laughs> one for before the game and one for the during the game. <laughs> so, you know, Czech Republic, hockey country, bring bring Babs to uh, two hockey helmets to her next match and just let her let her work it out. But uh, but yeah, no, a, a great result for her. Super happy for her. Great story. Obviously, she she's yeah. also a beneficiary of the NCR bump. Um, That's right. And has year. been. Yeah. And has been a story for. Um, yeah. For for nearly 12 months now. I was talking to, I think, Ricky about her today and saying that she was like almost like WTA, not quite as not quite as random feeling, but almost like WTA Karatsev just in say, terms yeah. of like just in terms of being outside top 100 so recently. And now in this very short window, obviously being informed, she she won Strasbourg. She's gonna be i don't know what her ranking i haven't looked at the live rankings but she's gonna be creeping towards top 30 i would think at least with this result sure. into the yeah. quarters she, and so she, yeah she came into this tournament ranked higher than bedosa even though bedosa ended up getting the right. 33 yeah, seeds, she got those so, late points yeah. yeah she got the late so, points. So. so so she's trending really well seeing her have this sort of relatively late relatively late blooming in singles is really satisfying to see and obviously she's talked about how yana nevada her, her late coach told her that that was going to be the case for her and seeing that all come to fruition has been very cool. And then speaking of, of blooming schedules, I mean, Coco Goff, who is her next opponent, you know, I think had, and Lindsay Davenport was talking about on Tennis Channel, had like a little bit of like a mini sophomore slump, you could say, where like she didn't, she was not constantly gaining altitude at the same rate, maybe six months ago. The results slowed down a little bit. You know, she lost first round US Open to Sevastova, lost relatively early, I think third round of the Australian Open to Svitolina. And then she goes and makes semis, I think in Adelaide. And from there, like, she's kind of picked up. She's been her, on a tear. Her, she's been on a tear. She's won, and she's winning, like, quantity, too. Like, the age rule, I guess, is still a factor, but maybe she played so little because of the pandemic that she was able to really play a pretty full schedule. She's, like, one of the top three or four match wins leaders mm -hmm. on tour this year. And she came out of the blocks really well against Anjabor and just sort of staggered her early, and Ant never really got a foothold in this match. It wasn't dissimilar from the other match, honestly. And... Goff, and although I think it was maybe even more actively about Onsen having a good start and Coco really pouncing on that. But then, yeah, but Goff wins three and one. She has not dropped a set here. She is like Krejcikova coming in off a warm up tournament win. Coco is in Parma, Krejcikova again in Strasbourg. And yeah, there's she is also a plausible person. You know, I, I think if you put any of Krejcikova or Sakari or Goff in the bottom half, they'd be a plausible bottom half favorite. I really do think these yep. are arguably the four best players all landed in the top half or the four most informed players. Bedosa, well, you can make a case for. Yeah, I was going to say Bedosa. But, but eh, you, I mean, she, I think she's not ahead, clearly ahead of them, but she's in the mix, at least if you put them in there. So anyway, Goff, what do you, what do you, what do you make of, of Goff's uh, continued maturing and how do you think she's going to match up against Krejcikova and potentially beyond at this tournament? 
Yeah, I really liked um, something that Coco said in her press conference after the third round about, um, you know, that of all of her second week runs at a slam, and this is now her third, so it's not like a ton, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. you know, for her age, it's a lot. Um, yeah. But I think this is her third second week. Um, First that quarter, this, thir- yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she... She said, like, this is the most professional run that I've had. There hasn't been, you know, the crazy three setters that we know that Coco can kind of get caught in. There hasn't been the, the you know, the center court drama of, like, all of a sudden, let's tune into this crazy match, you know, that, you know, where she's, I don't know, trying to get past Tamea Babosh on Arthur Ashe Stadium. And it's not really mm-hmm. a marquee match, but somehow because, Co- it, like, Coco's making it a marquee match. But she's also brand been... new. I mean, she did this against Herzog in center court. You know, this yeah, yeah. is kind of her brand very early on. But yeah. this is the thing. Like, and that's why I think she's absolutely right. Like, this has been pro. Like, this has been super just veteran business. business. business yeah. and, it, and it stems from also... Parma was pretty business. She dropped one set to Siniakova. Otherwise, she was in complete control of that event. Uh, Rome, you know, she had a few tough, you know, early, uh, I think maybe her first or second round matches went three sets. I think she beat Zachary there in three sets. But then she steamrolled past um, past uh, Sabalenka. And, you know, she, well, I mean, she was down to Barty when Barty retired. Uh, and then she lost to, to Sviantec. But it was, I don't know, something seems to have clicked um, in Parma to where... Yeah, she looks like an absolute, you know, title contender. Like you look at that field and you look at who she has to play. Like if Coco Goff has to play, you know, uh, what, uh, Krachikova and Sakari and anyone on the bottom half, yeah, yeah. she can win the title. Like there, there's no reason you can't. I mean, she's playing that well. And, you know, I'm definitely somebody who like, again, I've, and I think I've said it a gazillion times on the podcast, I'm very pump the brakes pump the brakes yeah like chill out like you know give the kid time give her the space to fail you know all that sort of stuff so i'm very cautious but but i have genuinely been even with all of my caution uh very impressed by by what she's done in the clay season um yeah it's it's been business like and that's what you want to see absolutely and just again just there's no reason for us to think like Iga, similarly thin, although under a much greater scrutiny at the whole time, I think, or great microscope or, or spotlight, whatever you want to call it. Similarly thin dossier, not a lot of data on Coco Golf, but also no reason to think, with I guess maybe the exception of the Trevisan match, I didn't mention that, the Trevisan loss at, at, at French Open last year, that was a, a rough a rough sort of loss for her, but don't remember it, but yes, it was, it was full of double faults. Basically it was the double. Oh yeah. It was at night. Her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was and a night was... on Simone Mathieu. I think yeah. it just, it was an ugly sort of match. Anyway, I remember that. Yeah. golf, uh, golf does not, there's no reason to, to, we have not seen her ceiling. There's no real reason to doubt her yet. And she's still growing. And again, no pressure. If she loses to Kirchikova, great tournament, who cares? But if she, and if she wins the French open, you know, great tournament. Good job. Well, <laughs> good done. Well job, you know, <laughs> As Get Mary done well Curlow job, lose quoting. first round Wimbledon, nobody's going to get mad. Like, it's fine. I think that hopefully, I I just hope that that, that is the environment within which um, Coco Goff is living right now, where so. everything is bonus and everything is learning um, and everything is a learning experience. And, you know, I will contrast her with Iga in so, I mean, this is such an obvious point, but insofar as, you know, we don't have data points in a lot of ways for both of them but at this point we have zero data points on coco going forward in this event like at least with ego we know like you i've seen you win a slam quarterfinal a slam semifinal a slam final play as a favorite all these sorts of things with coco it's still very much 
I don't know how you wake up the next morning, what you see on social media that morning that that sets you off. I don't I don't know. Well, well, this takes me to my next. What I was going to zoom out a bit after that point to say these are we haven't really talked about it. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning in reference to Iga being ahead of the pack, but this is six first time Slam quarterfinalists in this field. That is a record, I believe. I saw open air. That's record, so yeah. it's so open air record. Yeah, it's setting so aside many. obviously the first Slam in the open era, <laughs> which oh, would have had it. <laughs> sure, it course. was a weird caveat. And we were like, do we have to write this caveat out? I'm like, I'm not writing out that caveat. It's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> Makes sense. Fair. But yes. But uh, but you also probably would count them like they're non-open era quarters too, potentially sure. for those yeah. those those gals, whoever they were in, in 1968. It's a lot of unknowns. This goes to the bottom half too. Like we just don't know like how everyone's going to respond to this and how much is going to be about the tennis and how much is going to be about how you handle the occasion. And we've seen this go both ways. You know, we've seen players play really great matches like deep in the slams against other sort of anonymous players or relatively anonymous i'm thinking of like uh vondrosheva versus petra Mardik in the 2019 quarters then when that draw had opened up that was a great match mm-hmm. and then i'm also thinking of vondrosheva in the final against Barty, which was a terrible match yep. and so you don't know exactly when things are going to hit or when cinderella will turn back into a pumpkin you know relatively with any of these players because they don't really have the pedigrees to be looking always necessarily feeling like they belong in this phase of a slam and at any point they could be like what am i doing here i don't belong here so or, let me ask or they could rise to the occasion it's it'd be interesting to watch with all eight of these women honestly yeah let me ask you this then on pure tennis mm-hmm. what's the final and who wins if everyone is peaking you're saying I'm not going to I'm going to say re- I'm going to say reasonable peaking like not peaking like you know like treeing, but just like reasonable, they play at their level yeah. for the for for the rest of the event. Don't let the nerves come in. Don't, it's not a mental game, you know. Like just the tennis. So, so I will answer the question you didn't ask first. Which, if it's just pure awesome. treeing, I think that Rabakina's like tree is 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 quite a tall conifer. I think that she <laughs> is truly, honestly, seeing the ease like in her moments of just like of when she was really kind of destroying Serena when she was really in control of that match. That match did not feel as close as the score. Honestly, it was three and five, did not feel as close as the score at all. I saw some, I, I said on Twitter, she like beat her sound. And people were like, that was not sound. What are you talking about? Like, first of all, sound is clearly. Kostiak, you know, Tech was way tighter than. Yeah, completely than agree with Re- that. Rabakina of Serena, I Completely thought, yeah. agree with that. I mean, Rabakina was in control pretty much that whole way. Anyway, so Rabakina is someone who like, I think, and she's the highest ranked player left in the bottom half, which is crazy. I feel like if she gets, I mean, I can make a case for all three. For I, I can't make the Zanzig case quite yet. <laughs> How dare you? But, but the other ones, I can, all, I can all make a case. I mean, Bedosa's, Bedosa's the, like, the brain says Bedosa for sure. Like, Bedosa's been the one who has been the informed player on clay. Most tour wins on clay. Saw what she did against Bogdan, which is a really tight battle. And that was a really, really good match. I think still my favorite best yeah, match of the I'd tournament, say so, yeah. I think. Bedosa Bogdan through through four rounds men's or women's i'm pretty sure and yeah and so maybe that gives her the edge although at some point maybe she should get tired or something at some point i don't know pavly has she so did much say more that experience. she wasn't 100 percent. she did yeah. she did give that up like in her last yeah. one very quickly of just kind of like well at this point in the tournament you know there's always something going on it's like oh pavly okay, so is pretty well. much the lone veteran in this whole field i mean like and she's technically so- on one so- leg but yeah yeah and she's only 29 I mean, there no one's over 30 in this field which is it's crazy to think that pavly chenkova isn't even 30 yet so I don't know. I mean, like, I think Iga, I think Iga, and then I guess Bedosa, but I don't think it's straightforward for Bedosa. I'll pick, I'll pick Bedosa because I think she has the easiest quarter. 
I think that she will have an easier time with Sedancic to get to the semis than pretty much any of the other six women will have punching their cards to the semis. And so even just on those odds alone, I, I think Bedosa gets gets as it sort of might tilt her to, to the final. And then yeah, I think Iga's still still ahead of the pack. But it's it's gonna be interesting. It 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 it, it just it's we had this before in WTA, obviously, where you have to like scale your the sort of the field to the stage and it's like they don't quite match, but you're like, what happens with these two players who, you know, might be yeah. an unremarkable first round in uh Charleston? And now they're in a quarter or a semi against each other. Like, how does that work? You know, yeah. and it's it's interesting sort of puzzling. You never know till you. Oh, it's a Rubik's cube you know. at this point, honestly. Yeah. It, it's just like, you know, the minute that you think. But with emotions. One... <laughs> a Rubik's cube with emotions. <laughs> but with emotions. Hashtag emotions. Um, yes. No. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I still I agree with you. I think that the the form player is Fiantech. And I think that one of the big things that I do like, and I'll go back to it again, is I do think that she came through the first uh, four matches, you know, tested. So we've seen her under pressure and under stress in her title defense, which is which is meaningful. Goff had a little bit of that in her first round against Krunich getting through. But was that a test? Was it not? I don't know. But since then, it's been pretty straightforward for her. Uh, Zachary's got had some good tests um, in there and she's always ready to battle. As you know, if you listen to episode 300, this is Mm Fata. You know, Krachikova, still a little bit of an unknown. Bedosa has been battling. I mean, I think that that's one thing about Bedosa at this point is that she hasn't played the best tennis of the yeah. eight. In fact, if you were to, to gauge it, it's probably a little bit on the, 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 right. the neutral to lower side. Like, I've been very impressed by Zidonsic, for example. I don't think Zidonsic's played a bad match. She was great against Andrescu. Whereas Bedosa, there's been there's been pockets, but she's yeah. fought incredibly well. And right. in those moments where I thought she might panic, especially against Bogdan, she didn't. And that was that was definitely impressive. I'm worried about Pavlyuchenkova's knee. And then Rabakina, I'm, uh, I, her win over Serena was great. Like, tactically, yeah. she came out there, executed. It was great. Her draw up until Serena was very soft. Easy. Yeah. Very, very soft. And then now she goes up against Pavlyuchenkova, who may or may not be 100%. So let's say she goes in there, she wins that, and then she, let's say she plays a Bedosa. Kind of like Bedosa in that match. Yeah, yeah. Right? So. But I can't rule her out either. I can't no, 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 rule of out, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know how and, good she can be. And I, and I think it was fantastic the way that the NBC national TV audience got to witness with your pre-warning help to Mary Carilla to, to keep people on. To say, like, <laughs> watch how Rabakin is going to beat Serena and not even crack the slightest smile. And she did not crack the slightest smile. I know Jimmy takes lots of photos like, this is sort of counts as a smile for her. It's like, no, there was no smile. It was pure straight line emoji mouth. I, I loved all, it, like Mary yeah. just cackling in the background as it was yeah. all happening. It was it was yeah. good stuff. No, our, it, it's nice being able to have a, <laughs> a direct text line to somebody on broadcast at all times. Like, oh, what about this? Like, mention this. And she's like, she's always game. She's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's talk some dudes real quick here. Um, okay. Or not real quick, you know, in, 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 at a modest pace of of the dudes. We had three, only three quarter, only three fourth rounds today because Bertini got his walkover from Federer. But we saw Can him Can I say join... something really quickly about the Fed thing? Yeah, please. I'm quite surprised... Uh, as people know, I've been off Twitter for the last week, mm-hmm. so I don't actually know the micro take. Like, I just I don't know what the conversation has really been about. Like, I okay. log on to WT Insider Twitter. I send my tweets, but I don't read. Tw- I have not been reading Twitter at all. Nice. So I see what nice. you guys send me, you know, screen grabs, mm-hmm. links and things. But 
But I was quite surprised that people were so anti-Fed for his decision to withdraw. And I just, I don't know, that rubbed me the wrong way. And I hate, and people know, I hate defending Roger. I don't like to do it. It's like, makes me physically ill. But like, <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. I'm to- oh my God, this is, this is, <laughs> people are going to get mad. I don't care. But like, it just was really weird to me. I mean, it was just kind of like, I mean, for everything that this guy has given yeah. this sport, you really mad that like, and under all of the conditions of what he's done and played and whatever, four hours, first time, first slam in years, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's like, yeah, I can't play another match. Like, really? And we mad about it? What is going on? Like, I just, so, I the devil, I wasn't the devil's advocate, it. just to make it a conversation. I understand people being taken aback at the idea of someone using a Grand Slam event as a warm up for Hala. Like, I get that. <laughs> that's really what he did. But I, I, I tweeted my initial tweet like, that's iconic. Honestly. I love like, that. Like, I will come through as, as someone who works w- for a tour. That's all I've ever wanted (laughs) for somebody to treat a Grand Slam like it was cash. Be like, but like Tamara Zidonsik, two-time bowl champion. Like we were a little worried. We're like, man, if she keeps going at Roland Garros, she's not going to be able to defend her title in bowl. Like that's, these are the conversations that happen in the WTA green room. (laughs) I tell you. Yeah. So so, I respect Roger's decision even more if that was his logic of like, you know, really good for that holiday tournament. what he said, and then we had this conversation, this was the pushback to my sort of suggestion or, or thought that, and I had this debate with a few, several people this year, like, oh, Federer or Murray or Serena should skip clay to focus on grass, right? True, yeah, that and has been Murray did make that choice. Murray did do that. But the other two both played because they, the, the overall calculation was they need matches. Roger got his matches. He played yeah. one match in Geneva and then three in Paris. And the last one was pretty tough. It was a pretty physical match, four sets, you know, at night against Kupfer, which is a good match. Yeah, yeah very physical match. Like, a bit of it. Right? It and good. so so then, like, if he feels like he's gotten what he needs in terms of what he came to clay for, he explicitly said, I'm not really coming to Paris to win this tournament. Like, if you think that's disrespectful to the tournament, like, fine. But that's also every player in singles has almost ever entered a doubles draw. Like, that's nothing, like, abnormal. Not, like, the I people mean, aren't in it to win it People just need to be time. consistent with your take. I mean, if you, do you think it's yeah. disrespectful? Sure. But then then that should be just the same logic, whether it's a 250, a 500, or a 1,000. Like, if, you know, somebody, go, you know, you know my whole somebody thing about up, referring, people, to, people, referring to tour events as lead-ups, as tune-up right. events, and Rafa gets and Rafa, and Rafa gets very defensive about this. Rafa's always, like, when people ask him about uh, in Rome, they're like, how are you feeling prepared? So, like, I, I'm in Rome. <laughs> you know, essentially, and he's, we'll say something like it's disrespectful this term to talk about it like it's a stepping stone. You know who was like that? Marie, Marie Sharapova would say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Sharapova, like, which I gave her some credit for. Like, she, she, she was one of those players that could very easily be like, yeah, like I'm using Rome to get ready for, for Roland Garros. But it was always like, no, I'm here. Why would I play this if I didn't want to win here? Like, I want yeah. to win. So, um, no. So I, I, I respect that. But I just yeah, I was just I was very surprised that the take Roger, the next morning was like, how dare he? And Roger also, you know, to contrast a little bit with I think Greskin said this on yesterday's show, contrast a little bit with Osaka, like Federer was very upfront with the tournament and was like, hey, guys, I'm pulling out. They had lots of notice. Okay, saying their yeah, whole thing the, out there. The, these are anyway. apples and bricks. Like these are Fine. two very different situations. So I don't okay. I don't like the conflating Fair of those enough. two but people, things either. The, the way that people were saying, though, like the tournament was like someone the conversation because you weren't on Twitter. People were saying like he like blindsided the tournament by doing this. Like the tournament knew the tournament like understood the barking with Federer at this tournament. I really believe is what I'm trying to say there more than anything. Like everything they knew coming in that he'd said. 
they're just happy he was there. It's better to have a little <laughs> to have fettered and lost than to never fettered at all for a tournament. <laughs> Completely. A hundred percent. No, for sure. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. I, I don't, okay. I, I just I just had to say my piece because I just Fair. I just was no. really so I was re, I was genuinely surprised by it. So let's talk about because I have the most thoughts on Jokic. I want to save him for a bit. So the other quarter, that's not the Berrettini now advancing quarter, featured two pretty straightforward, relatively uh, straight set matches. Diego Schwartzman uh, came back from one five down in the first set, saving seven set points all in all. Uh, to take the first set in a tiebreak eventually 11 9 over Jan Leiter Struff, and then won the third and fourth, sorry, the second and third sets, uh, 6 4 and 7 5. I love that Diego was so inspired by Bethany Maddox Sands and Iga Sviantek. I mean, absolutely. the power they have. Absolutely. The, the international implications they have. that it has. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's good stuff. So Diego is into his fifth career slam quarterfinal, which I'm just going to pause to say that's amazing. That's amazing. For Diego, like, love honestly, it. like, as much as people are like, that's one of those, like, stop and appreciate this guy and his section yeah. of the draw, which was the Rublev section. Rublev lost first round to Struff. But, like, this, that's a really great result for, for a career. Like, that's, like, honestly, like, he's, like, he's 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 a legend, Diego. He is a already. legend. He's I agree. absolutely a legend. Absolutely a legend. And the pink tie that looks fantastic. It'll probably be the last time we see it will be against Nadal in the quarters. Uh, Nadal beat uh, Yannick Sinner. Uh, relatively similarly in scoreline to their last year's match, 7-5-6-3-6-0. Yeah, I just feel bad for Sinner, honestly, how many times he had to play all this year on clay. It, it was three all in all, and none of them were super, super close. I mean, they had some tight sets or whatever, I think, off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe he won us. Uh, anyway, it's just like, it's tough. It I mean, just he served for, for the first of, set today, and he had the, he had the lead. Sinner? Like, yeah. Yeah, like that's just like last year. Just like last yeah, year yeah, he did yeah, that yeah, too. Yeah, 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 I know. And yeah. so, like, again, it's just like, I feel like Nadal sort of is is, is so inevitable and such a, a Thanos in uh, in the Roland Garros straw. He can just snap at any point and things are over. And you say Thanos, other people say Iron Man. It's it's all perspective, Ben. It's all perspective. Good and evil, total perspective. So I mean, Nadal cruises on. He still hasn't dropped a set like Iga, his 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 role model there. She played him into form. What do you want? She absolutely played him into form, completely. So, uh, <laughs> so Nadal and uh, Nadal gets through center there again. I just feel like center. I said this on the Gruskin show yesterday, but and I can leave it there because I don't need to repeat myself too much. Like a lot of the women on the top half of the, in the in the women's draw, I would have loved to have seen center get a chance to like see what he could do in the bottom half against people along the lines of you know Tsitsipas, Sverev, Medvedev. Like he, I think he could have beaten one of them. Yeah. And so, but I don't think he was beating at all. So I think the draw just kind of sucks for him that it was the toughest draw he could have gotten as an 18 seed. Um, and that leaves basically the one match we haven't talked yet about today for the men, uh, Djokovic Musetti, which was the most interesting men's match, I think, of the tournament in terms of having real stakes. I don't know how much of this match you watched, Courtney, but like Musetti 0. played fantastic. Okay. And I'll talk a lot about this match then. Musetti played fantastic. He was so good and did such an incredible job at like improvising, especially. I don't know how much Musetti you've ever seen, but he's got a one-headed backhand. Zero point he sort zero. of plays, okay, <laughs> he sort of plays like, uh, maybe hopefully the first time you see him, he has a better hair situation than he has currently. I, I did see a, a photo of him, so I know what he looks like. He's got that yes. that 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 old Roger Federer hair going. Like yeah, the top it's not knot. good. It's, it's yeah, not it's the not, greatest. It's, it's not, it's messier than that even. It, it's, it's not good. The hair situation is not good, but he was playing amazing and again, improvises really well. It's one-handed backhand. It's going to put in all these, like, weird spots in the court and, like, short angles and stuff and always come up with these incredibly great shots from pretty much anywhere. He battled incredibly well. He has this amazing tiebreak record in his young ATP career. He has 10-0 and 0 in tiebreaks now. What? In his career. 
Only played 10. He's you know, pretty much new on tour within the last 12 months. That's impressive, but though. he's 10 and oh, It's insane. For what is essentially a coin flip, right? Yeah, yeah. To be 10 and 0 with them already. And he won the first two against Djokovic and was playing very solid. And then in this match, Djokovic took a, a you know off-court break after the second set and went and changed his clothes. It's totally normal thing to do after two sets on a warm Paris day. And then the match was over. <laughs> like Djokovic came out and just like rolled. It was six one in the in the. He won one uh, game. He broke. Musetti. Yeah, he the won rest one of the more match? game in the whole one yeah. more game in the whole rest of the match. Won one game in the third set. In the fourth set, he was getting golden setted. Like jo- no, seriously, Djokovic won the first sixteen points, and people oh were like, God. "I think Golden Set Watch is really on right now." Like, what is happening in this match? It completely collapsed. Wow. Then it gets to four love in the fifth and Musetti retires and let me get you his his let me play I saw his the quote, quote actually but here yeah. i'll play his quote here hey, Lorenzo, did did you have some kind of injury or was it just simply the the physical toll of of the match no 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 it's uh, it's not an injury it's uh we're just like a little bit of cramps and uh, a little bit of low pain uh, uh low back pain and uh, i was uh, not anymore uh, able to to win a point and so uh, was not really um grateful also for the crowd that uh, that were there so i decided like to retire cuz there were no chance that i could win a point so i i decided like to retire cuz i think it was the best thing to do it so this match went from being like, wow, fascinating, like star is born. This is incredible to being so, such a beat down and so <laughs> awful so quickly, such a hairpin turn. And again, obviously best of five is not my favorite thing. People who've, who've tuned into this frequency or any of my broadcasts of, of on in, in, in any Which, medium honestly, would know. that's on you guys. You don't have to listen to Ben. You really you don't. don't. If it you bothers don't. you that much, just you don't, don't tune me. in. You, you don't it's okay. Follow. Don't don't you make don't, him one you of your six to, presets. It's fine. You, Continue, you don't Benji. need to. You don't need to quote tweet it to your followers and then get more mad at themselves too. Like if you just need to feel rage to feel anything inside, like fine. This is what does it for but you. But that's your problem. That's not Ben's problem. It's definitely not Ben's problem. Like absolutely not. No, and so and I wasn't. It was nothing about Djokovic either. It was just like it was me saying like. God, the margins are so big for these big three guys. They have so, unlike, again, opposite of Sloan, unlike Sloan, who ran out of time very quickly in this match, Musetti got to play for like two hours and 20 minutes to take the first two sets. They were long, tight, competitive sets. It was, it was, you know, very good. And then he, and then, but it wasn't enough. Like he got so far and in the end, it like wasn't even close. And it was just such a thud. It was such the ice cream falling off, the gelato falling off the cone and just landing on the dirty sh- cobbles of, of Rome and someone going, I, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just depressing. I, and again, there's nothing to do with Djokovic and being like, other people were like, oh, you're so pressed at Djokovic one. Like, it's not about that. It's about getting an interesting result because this would have been like the biggest young guy beats big player at a slam thing. Men's tennis does not get that very often. The only one I can really think of that fits that is when Sittipas beat Federer at the Australian Open a few years back. Like, that was that moment. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we have not had that much in men's tennis at all. Yeah. And it's something I think the sport, that men's tennis needs, those transition matches. And especially for someone several generations younger, I mean, he's only 19, to get it, I think would have been lovely. You didn't watch as much courting, but I'm curious for your thoughts on it. No, I just, I'm listening to you make your argument. Yeah. And I have to say, it's not convincing. Okay. 
And the reason why is I don't think that the argument for a tighter format, um, that is at least a convincing argument to me for a tighter format is because it will lead to more interesting results. I don't, I don't, that, that I don't buy. I, I think that, I okay. mean, the reason why I like a tighter format and why I would agree with you generally that this is kind of a bummer, especially like the last three sets where the way that they were and the way that they went is because I want to see players go head to head at full strength. I, yeah, I don't, I want to watch, that's, that's you, I want to watch a, a hundred meter dash. I want to watch the 800. Once it gets over that into the 1600 meters or 5,000 or all of those long form running, why am I watching somebody run 10,000 meters? What is, what is this? It's an incredible accomplishment, but it's a different skill set, right? And, and at the end of the day, for me personally, and again, that's the other thing is like, this is all taste. There is no right or wrong answer, and it's not a moral failing to like one or the yeah. other. Um, but like for me personally, I like to see, yeah, I want to see two players go head to head. I I love tennis still as a skill sport, mm -hmm. as a, yeah, as as, as uh, at least that's how I conceptualize it in my head when push comes to shove. More than an endurance sport or a physicality sport, like um to me it, it's skill and so i prefer a tighter format that allows players to execute their skills without yeah. being i'm not saying that like you know i want to see a bunch of like you know 400 pound you know uh, out there. Yeah, yeah like that's yeah i don't want that i mean we're not talking John extremes Daly. and yeah. so let's not when we do this let's not play that dumb rhetoric game of like taking the extreme position to like disprove a point. But I just, I just think that for me, like that's where, it was. so if Musetti can like, and again, I didn't watch the match, so I'm relying on how you've described it. But if that's the case that he played these two incredible sets, um, it was electric tennis and it was great and the shot making, whatever to me, like, yeah, that two out of three is probably more valuable as a product to me yeah. than a three out of five, the way that it ended up. Y'all know I'm totally, I'm totally on the same side. I don't think I really don't. I I certainly don't think this. I will extrapolate this out to most people. Certainly in the in the in the non like honestly our audience like my Twitter followers like hardcore tennis fan type people. I don't think people are attracted to tennis because it's the sport that takes a long time. I don't think people are attracted to tennis because it's a sport that's about who's the toughest and who collapses first. Like if you want to watch that, watch people actually punch each other in the face in MMA or watch actual marathons or whatever other extreme sort of thing you want to do. I think. That yeah, I'm in it for the skill and for the shot making and for yeah, for handling pressure and stuff too. But the and pressure, actual, like, I think that's the other but, thing but, too. But the who's the who has like who's like the greater diesel engine that lasts longer? I just I don't think that. And I really did start thinking that even more aggressively after the Rio Olympics final because it took mm. so long with with uh, Murray and, and Del Pocho and actually they cut it to it's gonna be best of three this year for the men. Yeah, uh, the Olympics is not doing that anymore. But but comparing it to watching it, it's always different watching Olympics tennis in context of other Olympic sports because you see so many different sports in a short period of time, mm -hmm. and just realizing like how much longer the tennis is taking than almost yeah. anything else. Like why is why is tennis but this leaning is... into being the long sport? I don't. That's not what I just I just don't think that's. But, I mean, this isn't to rehash strength. the discussion that we've always had on here. But like, I just I I've said it before, and I will say it again. I just I really do think that 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 want that long sports like let's take the the language of best of five best of three out because that just is mm -hmm. like lightning rod triggering language for people like everybody puts it up is. their dukes but long sports in my opinion are classist and shorter I'm sports are more are more for the people and asking people to set aside 
you know, f- four hours or five five hours to watch a single match. Like not even sit down and watch four 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 hours of a bunch of players like doing a sing a a, a right. thing. It's not like a, it's not like a binge. It's one meal. Yeah, it's one thing. I, I I just personally think that it's a lot to ask of people, and I think that at the that ultimately it leads to your sport being a niche sport, like like cricket mm-hmm. and the advent of test of. Uh, which one is 2020 the, is the new one 2020 and yeah. you know obviously everybody's like test cricket is pure sure but i also think that it's kind of weird if i just personally like think it's a little weird if you have like five days to like go to cricket <laughs> like unexpected five days like you didn't even plan it like it was gonna happen Sports should be able to fit into people's lives yeah you know i, like, I think so and i know that there yeah. will be people who totally disagree and there's purism and you know all that and i get that and there's like romantic nature of it all i mean i'm a baseball person like i love mm-hmm. i i i mean but that being said i love the, the runner on second thing in extra innings yeah. now you know, yeah. because let's hit fast forward. Let's 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 get to the banging. Like you know, like you know, yeah. all of the other stuff. Like it's just fluff. So that's where things are going. It's it's I, yeah. It, but to I'm mention the banging, I mean, to use your word choice there. Like I just think that like so often in these matches, whether it's even the third set of of Center Nadali, which was six zero, also like six love. Like I just think that so often these men's matches are sort of decided early when the stakes are lower and it's not interesting. Like there was never a moment. This is a fascinating, completely unique unicorn of an example for this match. This center sorry, this Musetti Djokovic thing, because to be two tie breaks and then he wins one more game and it's barely winning points. Like talk about an absolute balloon pop moment, like where it's just everything to nothing so quickly. And to be fair, it's an anomaly. It is an like anomaly, let's in to be fair, sure. just from an argumentative standpoint, you know, you're taking an extreme it example. Is, but it's and... also what happened today. So I'm just using it as sort of a <laughs> recapping trying, today's events. I'm just today, trying to no, be fair right. in the argument. That's all. T- today, just, today we know. had an anomaly. Uh, let's briefly talk about the other bottom section of the draw here. Um, uh, the night match tomorrow, uh, the sort of spiciest rivalry among the uh, the next gen for sure. Daniel Medvedev. The one versus... match that I wanted to be on the Peacock, but isn't. I know. Stefano Tsitsipas versus Daniel Medvedev will be on Tennis Channel. Uh, this is, I think, a really interesting match. Medvedev out here, Zhang Shuang. You should know what that means by now at this point in the tournament. And Tsitsipas been really solid. Dropped the one set to Isner, which happens. And otherwise been really good. Really good win over Krenia Busta. Bad head-to-head against Medvedev. But he should like his chances. He's, he's playing. He should like his chance as much as he ever does against Medvedev. I think mm-hmm. he's he's kept it short. Both of them have. They both should be in good shape. And this could be a really, really fun match. I'm bummed there's no crowd. Like that's mm. already. I'm already <laughs> yeah. annoyed about that. But um, and these night sessions have been very little fun this year. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you make of of this match? Well, I mean, you you keep saying Zhang Shuaing. When mm-hmm. it comes to Daniil and and Clay, I think that it's it's it. The more that I think about it, and I obviously understand the parallels, but the more I think about it, I feel like it's a little bit more Ashbardian. I think that it's one of those he's never going to like it. He's like Clay is always going to be his worst surface. It's always going to take more effort from him, but that mm-hmm. he is that good of a tennis player that he can win on it. He just has to get out of his own head. And that and that's that's pretty much what happened with Ash. I mean, you know, like it wasn't like she she doesn't like it. I mean, even this clay season, again, when she was dominating, she's like, yep, nope, still every day of clay season is a day closer to grass. Like, trust me, like nothing has changed. 
but she 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 you know she always points to that 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 match against uh, Halep in Madrid last two years ago as being a big turning point for her in terms of believing that she can. So with Medvedev, he got that match, which was just a win, winning mm-hmm. a match, a best of five match at Roland Garros, and now he's. He's just that good of a tennis player. I mean, the, you know, and maybe it's just as simple as that of just realizing you don't have to like it. This whole idea. And, I mean, there are a lot of people who love clay who suck on it. That's true. I mean, like, I mean, honestly, it, it doesn't matter. Hear, like, <laughs> I mean, like not who suck even, but like not earlier in her career, yeah. like Sloan would always talk about how clay was her favorite surface. But her results on clay were not especially good and were much better at other surfaces. And we're also like, and even Serena, the way but she now, talks about clay. But yeah, but now obviously she's had moments of, of now she's justified that sort of feeling. And that was re- useful to have when she started turning it around. Like she has always liked the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the results may not be there, but she does feel comfortable on it. And now I think he's a big confidence player too. I mean, Medvedev obviously has made two grand slam finals before, so he knows what it's like to get on a kind of roll and to, and to, and to string things together. And Tsitsipas is not going to be a player who he's particularly intimidated by with his <laughs> 6-1 head-to-head record against him. Yeah. So I yeah, I think it'd be really... Really sort of fascinating match and hopefully popcorny and and maybe the late night no crowd lets them both be a little bit more uninhibited or whatever in this match and we get some some. I'm curious some as to what that'll look like in like Sitsapas versus Medvedev in a hermetically sealed like bubble play match. Yeah, I'm worried. Now that I think about it, I'm like that that <laughs> that's an invitation to chaos because yeah, like. If if you're Medvedev, how do you not mutter stuff under your breath that you know Stefanos can hear all the time? So long as he's muttering, I just hope he keeps with his his Rome strategy of muttering in English. In English, that was right. a great, you want to be a part of it. You that was be a part fantastic. Of it. Bring me that in, was so great. <laughs> Take me along for the ride, or at least French for the people in in the home <laughs> audiences in in Paris, but not Russian, please. Like when he was in 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 in, in Rome. And he would like was lost a point. He was like, oh. and then he goes ball abuse, <laughs> hits the ball, and then it hits the railing and bounces back. He's like, oh nope, came back, no ball abuse, <laughs> whatever. Like it's... that's the kind of stuff I I want. And the dude, I, that I, uh, he's he's just he's an entertainer. He's an entertainer who doesn't take it all seriously. It's good to shift a bit here um, to the last remaining quarterfinal because Courtney makes a face, which is fair, and I make these faces too. It was interesting having Greskin on the show last night because he referred jokingly to Zverev as Voldemort, just as per- person who no one talks about, like he who must not be named. Like people try to, you know, just not say it, not invoke it, don't not speak it into existence. But Zverev is still very much here. Zverev is still very much in the tournament. He's still very much a favorite against Alejandro Davidovich Fokina in the next round. He can still very much make the final of this tournament. He can still, he can still plausibly win it. I mean, probably not against Nadal, but he has beaten Nadal his last three times and beat him in Madrid. Like he's still there. And so my question is less about this match, which I don't think is that interesting a match against the Vidish Fokina, honestly, but is more about like just for you, like how should we talk about Zverev as a on court line in the draw kind of player going forward? Can I be completely honest? Yeah. I don't care. Okay. Like I just don't. Like I just he's just not a part of the tennis universe for me personally like however people are talking about him or choosing not to talk to talk about him that's up to them and that's between them and their god and and being able to look themselves in the mirror as to whether or not they think that they're doing the right thing in the way that they 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 do their thing it's not my responsibility to talk about him it's not part of my job to do it Mm -hmm. i will not spend any second of my personal time being concerned about it so that's how i personally choose to do it that's fair no it's it's just yeah i i don't I just don't care. Not wa- I just do yeah. not care. 
There we go. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you, it's you can you to, can monologue all you want, but I'm just saying I, I just well, don't care. I, I I mean it's tough to sort of respond to that, but I I think I don't know how I feel. I mean, I I don't know. I don't enjoy watching his matches on a on a deep level at this point. His his presence. I, I find didn't enjoy it before. Dis- no, like, I'm not. Let's be yeah, real. Like yeah. you know, like oh, I yeah. nothing yeah. about how I like weirdly the way that I feel about his tennis hasn't changed in terms of mm. being on one or like I felt one way and then something happened. And then now I feel another way. I no. didn't particularly enjoy his brand of tennis in the first place. So if we even want to talk about X's and O's, I don't really have anything really constructive to say regardless. No. So, and mm-hmm. then you add all the other stuff and I definitely have nothing to say. I have nothing. Don't care. Okay. That is, that is, that is, a, that is a coherent stance. Uh, Davidovich Vakina like rescues puppies. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but that's fun. Good for him. I still, I mean, I think I said the whole story about Davidovich Vakina on the podcast before that I just happened to be watching a match that he was playing against Hubie in Montpellier and he yeah. was being a bit of a jerk about it. And that's just the only exposure that I had to this guy at all. And plus he looks like Billy Zabka. Mm-hmm. So I just have probably a very completely made up notion of who he is as both a person, a player, and a human being. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Eventually, I'm sure I'll I'll put in the effort to figure that out. But that that moment is not today or tomorrow. Well, if he wins, he makes the semifinals. He can be then. I mean, we'll see how it how it goes. This is first quarterfinal. It's still kind of in an introductory phase for the ATP outsiders of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, looking forward to him continuing to. He was uh, doing the backstage cameras was catching him before his last match like doing his warm-up and there was just something just so like gym ratty about him he had like these huge purple beats um yeah. <laughs> like wireless beats and he was just like muscling out like he was just like hulking he's out he's a in thick his sh- boy he's a big boy a, yeah and just does not look like he like skips like the lap machine uh nope. looks like he could bust a you know the row machine like it the dude is fit um but uh, but I just I was watching it just because it was on and it, it just it cracked me up. It was just very like frat boy gym at the gym situation. Um, and I yeah. was amused. But again, that did not help in terms of, again, I have no concept of this man other than the fact that he seemed rude to Hubie once. So <laughs> none of this has any foundation in reality. It's just my have imagination. You, have you seen the video of him hitting with uh, Garbinier where she drills him with a ball and he gets a bruise? No. That's fun not. times. Okay, that's yeah. So he's one. hitting with he's doing like a little natural Garbinia, and she just like out of nowhere just like smacks the ball. I love her and it hits him in the rib cage, and, he, and then it's then it's her like smiling, and he like pulls up his shirt, and has this bruise forming on his on his side, and oh, she's Garby. loving life. Yeah, so Garby Garbs. he was a good sport about that. Good. You know, okay, so, that's good to know. Anyway, that's good to know. That's that, that's we'll again. See. I don't have a huge huge amount of knowledge on on him, but uh, between the puppies and that, it's uh, puppies are cool. Just, I'm, Seems good, but, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, he was rude to Hubie. I mean, how do you, how do you rectify, how do you reconcile those two things? Nice to puppies, mean to Hubie. Does not compute. Who is kind of a puppy, really? He is like basically an enormous puppy. Anyways, just saying. Anyways, Goofball. that is the friendship. That is the friendship. Is he even finals. in Paris? Who did he lose to? <laughs> <laughs> Hubie lost first round to Bob Slab. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, I knew that. <laughs> Who then lost to Fokina, who Davidovich Fokina. So, you know, pretty is in the Hubie section. It all comes back yes, to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, 
We hope you all have a Bob Vance lap of an evening. Uh, thank you for supporting NCR as we round the 300 corner into new pastures of, you know, low number area code kind of number episodes. 301, famously the Maryland area code in my life. Uh, if you want to support NCR and everything we do, you can join us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. And we have a couple backers since our last episode to announce Joseph Haar, who rejoined the backing fold. So thank you to Joseph for coming back online. And to Sarah Hoffman, who also is a backer since our last episode. So thank you for folks for still trickling in. And if you want to join them, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining is where you can do that. And if you want to go all the way to be a slam champ back and get your name set on every episode, you can join the likes of folks like Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle, Audrey Wellens, Antonio Maycumber, Anna Valinder, and Timothy Liu, and our GOAT backers, Mike Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and j-o-d anything else uh you sent me a clip it was i couldn't get the audio to work on your clip you sent me but you've been enjoying others other parts of the peacock in girls oh, five yeah, eva. girls five eva big fan big fan really really enjoying it yeah i've it's been interesting i've kind of not reached the end of the internet because i know that there's tons of stuff on tv that i haven't watched but i was talking to my cousins this past weekend about how I've just been like blank, playing catch up on a bunch of, of anime, Japanese anime shows that I had watched and then stopped at certain points at different seasons and stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a bit of a completionist. So I was like, okay, I'll just get back into it and just watch them so that I can com- complete them. And there's something about the, and maybe this speaks to, you know, the mindset during a pandemic or whatever it is, um, but there is an earnestness and about the Japanese anime at least that I've been watching that is mm. really quite moving you know it's it's all it's a lot of shows about you know young people who want so badly to be great yeah and that's all they want to strive to do but they have they're given some sort of like not handicap handicap but like you know this guy this kid wants to be a superhero but he doesn't have superhero powers uh you know this guy wants to be a great volleyball player but he's short uh you know whatever it is and but there's this this the way that the the japanese anime is kind of do it it, it it's just so earnest and pure and i really really have been responding to that energy uh, it's very positive energy, even though like these shows are also con- like just they I will sob like I will just yeah. be a complete and utter mess because they are so earnest. Therefore, the heartbreak is so real um, when characters die or whatever, or people lose volleyball games. Um, <laughs> Same difference. I'm just saying Haikyuu is amazing. But yeah, so I highly encourage it. And one thing that my, uh, my cousin brought up that I hadn't thought about, but he was like, one of the things that's really nice is that when you have been binge watching so much like kind of Western American Anglo TV, um, the rhythms are so become so familiar to you, like subliminally that yeah. it does everything just seems really samey. Even if things are good, they think they seem samey, um, which is why I like girls five Eva. The rhythm of it is like so weird. It's just like, I don't know it feels like a fever dream watching it, which is great. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of snaps you out. Yeah. But like the Japanese anime, um, it has a completely different rhythm from western tv so it's just like very plot driven and it's just it's it's like if you don't pay attention for 30 seconds you're like wait what just happened like you know it's just it barrels forward and there's like a propulsion to to japanese anime at least um yeah the ones that i've been watching that has been really nice and and just felt new and different so so there's so many great shows that are on hulu and on uh, netflix so, yeah, I highly recommend people if they're looking for something, you know, just just delve in. 
it's a good time. There you go. A little break, a little uh, amuse-bouche alongside the tennis, which can exactly. be a, a heavy main course of a uh, of a thing, especially if it's five sets. So thank you. Then also wanted to brief shout out. Uh, I wanted to have one of these people on the on the pod for a couple slam sounds. Just hasn't worked out for whatever reason because their tournaments are so condensed. But the wheelchair tournaments finished mid tournament. Uh, this event because of the the schedule change. There's another, you know, already on the schedule tournament that was supposed to take place next week in, in the wheelchair tennis oh, calendar. Right, that's right. And, and so with the Roland Garros moving back a week, uh, the wheelies, unfortunately, did not get, you know, the sort of more space, honestly, in the in the thinner part of the draw to get their spotlights. But congrats to Alfie Hewitt and Dita DeGroote and uh, Dylan Alcott, who all won more French Open titles today. So congrats to them. And uh, we'll see you guys next time for uh, some bottom bottom quarter recap and hopefully some sitsy medvedev recap that could be good or something completely offbeat and whatever we'll find out i'm ready for it i'm I'm into it like i gotta say i mean again haven't really been paying attention to the guy's side mainly because of what you had said earlier which i've been thinking about a lot which you're right about about kind of the inevitability of of rafa kind of like taking a bit of the drama out of it um Mm -hmm. and the 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 uncertainty which i watch sports for uncertainty as we discussed before um but uh, but on the women's side like going into the quarterfinals i'm very intrigued like i could probably sit like if we were all at roland garros and like normal like i could probably sit at you know the pizza place or kebabs or wherever and just like talk about all the different permutations of how the the women's draw could kind of end up and it would be a really interesting discussion so i'm really i'm looking forward to it and i think it's going to be whoever ends up being the champion out of that eight it's going to be a pretty rad story like every single one of them has like an has a great like disney story to that moment um so i'm really i'm really just curious more than anything else i just yeah curious do you have a favorite disney song to wrap up with the outro here you mentioned disney i was thinking i don't know if i have an outro cue yet but now you mentioned disney so i'm gonna put in the spot favorite disney song oh Mm. Yeah, the Robin Hood song. Okay, it's Robin Hood and Little John. <laughs> Robin Fair. Hood and Little John walking through the forest. Yeah, love it. That's good. That's it's an good earlier times. cut. It's like a yeah, pre yeah. sort of Disney Renaissance. Oh cut. God, like hand drawn cells. That's my favorite Disney movie for sure. I'm an old. You know, Fair. Fair. I'm an old. What do you want from me? Well, and actually, it's fitting because Nottingham is also going on. So great time. Look what for, I did for there. Robin Hood content. The tour matters. What we're saying is the, the tour the matters. The tour first matters. Week, Christy on first week got a win in Nottingham. First first week of the slam is a warm up for Nottingham. All right? I'm just That's saying. all we're saying here. Nottingham saying. supremacy. Bye folks. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Never ever thinking there was danger in the water. They were drinking, they just guzzled it down. Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse was watching them and gathering around. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest, jumping fences, dodging trees, and trying to get away. Contemplating nothing but escaping, finally making it a oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day.